time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. And um, thank you for our Facebook Live listeners. I love that. And thanks for tuning in radio or online, however you're listening. So the top of my second hour, I normally have a roundtable, and we have a right view roundtable question of the week. So I'm just going to ask, like I did last week and other weeks when I don't have a roundtable for whatever reason, when we're traveling, um, I ask myself the question, what's the big deal with Steve Bannon's departure from the White House? Does it mean anything significant? And here's the answer. I think very seriously that Steve Bannon's departure from the White House is, is very serious and problematic. And I say that because, you know, he, uh, whatever else, I mean, he has a blustery personality. He's very similar in personality, really, to President Trump. He's a, you know, he's a strong personality. He's a, um, you know, a, he's a populist kind of guy. But my sense of him was he was one of the few remaining in the White House advising President Trump who actually understand why President Trump won the election. I mean, who actually understands what the message from the voters of this election was. I think that Steve Bannon, I mean, I'll tell you, there were GOP, even members of the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, one guy was GOP um, Congressman Tom Garrett, who was happy that Bannon left. But Bannon got asked to leave, and, and he's back at Breitbart because Bannon yelled at him once. I mean, seriously. Bannon was trying to get the repeal of Obamacare done and thought he had a group together in the White House, who, I mean, in the Congress, who had that House bill that wasn't so hot, and the Freedom Caucus was against it. So this guy was complaining. Bannon yelled at him. Okay, Bannon is blustery. He's not a, but, you know, in addition to, I, I, I just can't tell you how much this election meant to America. It was, it was, a, it was a stopping in his tracks the progress, the push of the socialist left who had been thrilled really for decades. You know, Ronald Reagan put a little bit of dent in their march and this, turning this country more left-wing. But Obama came along. He was the dream candidate of the American socialist left. He was happily willing to take control of the entire health care system, you know, gather more power under the wing of the Washington elites. He was simply a completely, um, you know, a, a socialist dream. And the socialists thought that they would have Hillary following suit, who would continue the pursuit of having more and more socialist government be more and more um, just in charge, in control of everything, and continuing the socialist grasp on America's future and freedom and economy. And so they were devastated and, and frustrated and upset by the fact that, that um, Hillary did not win. Bannon understood what the voters were saying when they got behind Trump. The voters did not love his personality. They did not love his every single tweet. Some of them, a lot of them they liked. They did not love his, you know, colorful past, that really bad video that, or audio that came out, a video that had him making you know, really crass remarks. It wasn't as though the people who voted for Trump thought that was cool. What they thought was he is someone who is an outsider who's going to come into Washington and really, truly, deeply disrupt the establishment, elitist, 
ruling class in Washington made up of all the Democrats and, frankly, most of the Republicans. This guy was going to bust up the Washington cartel. He was going to drain the swamp. He's going to get rid of this hideous Obamacare that we, the American people, never wanted and still don't want, and we tr- want him to get rid of it. He's going to actually ignore um, the, pr- the politically correct protests and build a wall or in some other way secure the southern border. He was going to be someone who they could trust to not get shaped by Washington, not get kind of arm twisted and end up being another one of the Washington insiders. This is what the people thought. I think they thought more about what Trump would do than maybe he even meant. I think, though, Steve Bannon understood maybe better than President Trump why Trump won. I think Kellyanne Conway understands, but my problem with Bannon's departure is there are very few remaining advisors in Washington, in the White House, who get the mission of this presidency. Trump is really surrounded more and more by liberals giving him advice. And by that and that group, I include Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, his own daughter, Ivanka. These are Democrats. These are big government people. They do not understand the message of this past election. We have left now uh, Gary. I'm, I'm sure I'm not sure if his name is pronounced Con or Cohn, but whatever it is. He's their chief economic advisor now to Trump. He has been director of the National Economic Council, former Golden Sachs guy has no he's not a big he's not a big mission change America reduce government guy he doesn't understand it so I'm concerned Bannon's departure maybe he could do the same thing from Breitbart I'm concerned it's undermining Trump's agenda I'm Debbie Georges this is America can we talk I'll be right back Okay, so I guess I won't be right back. This is what's killing us here in this, uh, doing the show from Oxnard. Okay, so my clock's telling me my time is up. And then Greg's mayor saying, no, you got another minute. Good, because it wasn't done. I'm going to say this about Bannon. Bannon is, you know, he's blustery and all of that. And he's still, despite being fired, despite being moved along and, and had to go over to um, Breitbart, he's still on with the agenda because Branda, Branda, he, he's in... You know, he's a guy who understands what America wanted out of the election, and he's going to keep fighting for it, even from Breitbart. He's not taking his marbles and going home. He's going to keep fighting for that America that he said that the Trump promised during the election. So he's going to be fighting out there. This is not a good thing that he was asked. It means Trump's listening to the liberals, not the conservatives. Now I'm going away for a break. Be right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so glad you've tuned in. Love, love, love talking with you every single week. And, um, you know, I told you we're in the studio in Oxnard. So if you're watching on Facebook Live, you're watching all this discussion uh, between uh, Greg, who's a wonderful board operator in Dallas, and uh, and Irving, actually, and uh, here. So um, I just, uh, you know, we're working on this timing, and sometimes we don't always communicate. Okay, so I want to go, I swear, this is the last segment I'm going to talk about Trump and Charlottesville and all that, but you have to understand how much you're being played, or to put the other way, I want my listeners, who are smart people, dedicated, serious conservatives, smart people, I want you to not get played by the media. So I just want you to uh, listen to what, what this, uh, this clip one, Greg, what Trump really said uh, in this interview that set off this firestorm claiming that he had not adequately denounced 
um, the, the bad guys in Charlottesville. We're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. I just got off the phone with the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and we agreed that the hate and the division must stop, and must stop right now. We have to come together as Americans with love for our nation and true affection, uh, really, and I, I say this so strongly, true affection for each other. Okay. That sounds like a guy trying to stir up and uh, kind of signal something evil, doesn't it? I mean, seriously, folks, you understand the position that President Trump is in. And, and, you know, and really, all conservatives feel this way. You feel like you can't say that there was, you know, you, you can, everyone can harshly condemn and, and the well-deserved condemnation of the white supremacists, Nazis, they're evil, they're awful, they don't even belong on the planet, let alone in America. Okay, done. But... If you say anything less than they're the only ones at fault, anything else, you are fearful that you're going to be labeled a Nazi hater, a bigot, blah, blah, blah. So this is the situation Trump found himself in. He probably had more information from Terry McAuliffe and whoever else he talked to that day uh, than the listeners had and the media had. But he so he's trying to say it, you know, it was a big problem. A lot of people at fault here. But he was just in an absolutely cornered into a very, very difficult situation. So, you know, I think that's going to be the end of me in this story. I can hardly stand it anymore. Actually, my husband just put the, his computer where I can see it. And there's a meme somebody has up. Just generally speaking, in a relatively free society, the good guys don't wear masks when advocating for their views publicly. I mean, seriously, do you take a look on, online, on Facebook, on, in, about in any place online, about Antifa? These people put on black masks, all black clothing. They carry clubs, weapons, blowtorches, and they're the ones the media is trying to say you can't blame them even in part. You, and, and so this is what I tell you, folks. I think Trump has to pretty much stop talking about it. He's just got to say, okay, you know what? I've condemned him, and we're done. And, and I'll, on that cue, I'm going to stop talking about it. But I do want to talk about something else that happened this past week, which was um, kind of related to this. You know, we played earlier a clip from uh, Alan West, who is speaking up about this and just saying, you know, uh, you, we have to condemn all racism. We have to condemn all violence. He lumped Black Lives Matter in with Antifa and the Nazis and the white supremacists. He just lumped, lumped them all together, basically say these folks are all a problem. I want to tell you what happened to a friend of mine. You all may know the name Star Parker. She is a uh, black conservative woman. As a quick background in her life, if you don't know of her, Star Parker grew up uh, in a relatively low-income area in Los Angeles. Uh, she, for a while, lived on welfare. She went through the struggles many young uh, Americans go through with the um, you know, low income and living off of welfare. She, I, she dropped out of high school. She got involved in drugs. And her life was a mess, really a mess. And she had lived her life on welfare. And she you know, walked into a church one day or a, a pastor talked to her in the street. But all I know is she found Christianity. She found God. She turned her life around. She now hosts and she formed an organization in Washington called Cure, C-U-R-E, Cure, the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. She dedicates her life 
to bringing the message of the goodness of America, the greatness of America, the rightness of free freedom and free markets. The urge. She wrote a book called "Getting Off Uncle Sam's Pla- uh, Uncle Sam's Plantation," talking about you know to her fellow black community uh, mem- members of the black community around the country that you can have a better life than just living off welfare. So she's become a conservative, outspoken conservative, huge, tremendous leader, hugely impactful life. So she was interviewed on Fox News right after Charlottesville. She was interviewed, and she basically said she agreed with Trump's response to the, Char- to the Charlottesville events. She agreed that, that he, would, he was accurate in stating that various people were responsible. Fault was on many sides. So I got a note from her. She gets back to her office that day in Washington, D.C., and this tremendous, outspoken, fabulous, pro-life, Christian, you know, hardworking, black American conservative woman gets back to her office, and her office was, in her words, flooded with threats to her, the lives of her staff members and to herself from alt-left fascists. She's being told the same thing I'm trying to tell you. Don't you, that, that there's, there's a, an element in America, a rising sense of just, a, and the fascist American left, the intolerant American left, you can't say anything we don't like. So, you know, Starr is going to keep on. She's going to double down and keep doing it. But understand how serious this is. This is Star Parker. has been on this show a bunch of times. Wonderful, wonderful person. So she had that to say. Alan West um, actually spoke up, as you heard in the earlier clip, and just said we, we can't, you know, he's not going to go along with this, uh, you know, condemnation of the white supremacists. Of course he condemns white supremacists, but he's not going to go along with this and never say anything bad about the Black Lives Matter movement, the Antifa movement, because he sees them for what they've become, that, that they are funded by radical left forces in this country who do not support America. Really important to understand. I also noticed actually in Dallas, and I don't know if you saw this uh, for our Dallas listeners, if you saw this story last night, but there was actually in Dallas, and we are not there, we're on vacation, but in Dallas, there was actually a uh, protest, a, 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 um, I, I don't know what the right names to call it, one of the fascist sides, you know, the, uh, the fascist protesters, the ones who say they're standing up against um, white supremacism. They, an anti-white supremacy march in Dallas last night, and they had protesters chanting, F the police, and cops and Klan go hand in hand, linking police and the Klan. This is the innocent group that the media and CNN and all these left-wing groups are saying, you, media outlets are saying, you can't say that about Antifa. These are anti-white supremacist marchers. Nothing they ever do can be criticized. Folks, it is really, really, really important to understand this is, um, this is who you're talking about. This is what they were doing in Dallas last night. In fact, I noticed that Dallas has a, now a predominantly black Dallas group formed to protect Confederate monuments. Imagine that, a, a majority black group trying to protect the Confederate monuments. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more in a moment about the um, Confederate groups and what they really, um, what they, the Confederate statues and the, and the arguments on both sides. But I want to go to a quick story uh, just because it's a vital story to know about. You all heard, and we always on the show, we love, appreciate, respect our military, our first responders, our police, our firefighters, everyone who gets up every day and does a job defending America. In Florida, 
there were two police officers murdered uh, this weekend, this past Friday. This is by a guy named Everett. Uh, okay, his name was Everett Glenn Miller. He changed his name recently to Malik Muhammad Ali. But the reason I'm telling you about him, the reason I want to have you just understand what, how crazy things have gotten in this country. This is a former Marine, the shooter, the killer, former Marine whose Facebook page is filled with anger over racism in the United States, over slavery, which ended, you know, whatever it is, way over 200 years ago. Uh, he, his, his Facebook is filled with posts about Charlottesville. He got so enraged about the left-wing message that comes from the media and the Democrats and left-wing America that this country is filled with racism that he got so outraged about it. And he got, he got played, really, by all those forces claiming America is full of hate and racism that he went out and killed two police officers. And, by the way, they're both black. But that's what he, his motivation was, this anger. I want to ask you, just stop and think about How many times have you heard CNN or any liberal news outlet ask Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, any leading Democrat, are you at all worried that your constant references to pervasive racism in America might drive people to do things that are dangerous? Do you ever think the messages you send about America might be dangerous? Does this ever occur to you? I mean, folks, this guy did what he did exactly because he was motivated by the kind of message CNN and the mainstream media are still trying to send America all the time. And that message is America is a deeply racist, hateful place. We'll talk about this more after the break. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. 
The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. Just again, thanks so very much to Salem for let me uh, arranging so I can do this show. In Oxnard, it's so nice to be here. Okay, I swear this is my last thing about this whole Confederate statue thing. I've just been, you know, I will tell you, I was thinking in the break, why is this keep, I, I have so many stories I want to cover tonight, and I have a thick stack, for those of you in Facebook Live, a thick stack, but I can't get to all of them. But I want to say one more thing about this whole, um, you know, this, a major upset in America that is threatened to continue and the Confederate statues. There was a, a poll done, a very uh, in-depth substantive poll um, in which they were asking people essentially, do you think in light of the fact that Confederate statues are, you know, they're of people who fought on the Southern side and in, in support of slavery, should they be taken down? And the que- and so this is an amazing stat. I thought, because, and I think it really helps you see how much the left has built this into an issue that's not an issue for the American people. The conversation's fine as an intelligent conversation, but here's the answer, the, the polling. First of all, among black respondents, American black respondents, 44% said that the Confederate-era statue should not be taken down. That's pretty amazing. And then for both white as well as Latino respondents to this poll, they're both at around 66% said you should not take these Confederate statues down. So I say that to say this is not like there's a 
broad sweep of America demanding the end of these horrible statues, it's not true. Even the, even black Americans responding uh, are you know getting up toward half saying I don't think you should take them down, and so I just don't think there's a moral authority behind this movement to take statues down. This is nothing less than a divisive effort to seed the feelings, the doubts, the resentments of of racism in the American people to stir up an issue that will cause people to have emotional and and, and you know just upset reactions. This is what this issue is about. And I want to just mention a couple of things about that. Do you ever think about the fact that all the other statues that exist somewhere, you know, that could be offensive? For example, Bill Clinton, there's a statue of him somewhere. I don't remember what South Dakota or something, wherever it is. Bill Clinton is a credibly accused rapist, a multiple, without doubt, proven sexual assaulter. And when Hillary was running, uh, you know, during the campaign, I had one show where I went through. It is like in the dozens of women who've actually complained about him sexually harassing them. Bill Clinton, let alone those who never who didn't bother doing anything, uh, complaining about it. But so the guy is everything the feminist left should hate. But there's no one talking about taking down his statue. There's no one on the left talking about taking down the statue of Senator Robert Byrd, the West Virginia Democrat senator, served in the Senate for 50 years plus, who was a um, honest to goodness um, racist, former member of the KKK, nothing at all noble about his racial past. But you don't hear one peep out of the left arguing that we need to take down uh, Robert Byrd's statues. And his are not just statues. It's post office and streets and names and statues everywhere. Nothing. This is so recognize this. Antifa is not a moral outrage movement. It is a political movement to destroy America, to destroy our love for, respect for, our love of America. Don't let them do it. I also want to read you a quote, just because there's so much conversation about racism in America. And understand the subject of race. On the subject of race, the KKK formed in America as the military arm of the Democrat Party. It is a Democrat. Historic institution. Democrats supported slavery, which ended, okay, my husband sitting here said, well, actually, it's 150 plus years. <laughs> okay, hasn't been 200 years that's gone, but it's been gone some generations. Okay, but the KKK was a Democrat creation and filled out by the Democrats, run by the Democrats. It was a, um, the, the slavery was supported by the Democrats. It was Republicans that had to fight to end segregation. Republicans formed as a party to end slavery. And yet somehow the, in the crazy world we live in, this upside-down world, the Democrats get credit for being the party for standing up for minorities. It's absurd. Now, I want to read you a quote about, uh, about the Ku Klux Klan. I'm going to read you the quote, and you think, you try to guess who said this. The white men were roused by a mere instinct of self-preservation until at last there had sprung into existence a great Ku Klux Klan, a veritable empire of the South, to protect the Southern country. Okay, who do you think said that? I mean, do you think it's like one of the white supremacist groups? You think it was a Republican? You'd be wrong. It was Democrat President Woodrow Wilson, a profoundly racist man, in, in this in this generation, I mean, not just generation, but this era, you know, just he was president from 1913 to 1921. 
That's a Democrat thought praising the Klan, but somehow the left has managed to contort things. So we're supposed to agree that when the Klan comes up, Republicans have to apologize. And say, the Democrats ought to be apologizing for them, and they ought to be denouncing them. They just, they don't, they're not, it's not laid at their feet because the media won't do that. Okay, now I swear I'm done talking about that. And I do have actually tons of other topics in very little time. Um, but I want to just uh, tell you a couple of stories. I, I sometimes do a cruise through the news. And um, this will be more than a cruise. But these are stories to just keep your eye on, keep your, your uh, thought open to recognizing how serious they will be. And they're coming about. And again, I do this radio show. I mean, I... I I'm not a radio, you know, trained person. I didn't study communications in college. I'm a lawyer by background. I'm a political activist. I worked as a political consultant. I do this show entirely, entirely because I'm concerned about the future of America. I'm concerned about holding on to the right idea of America. And and there's so many things, like I said last week, you cannot have the real idea of America and tribalism. You can't have that. The left lives on tribalism. It is their political identity. But um, so I do the show to speak up for America. And there's something that I just I really want to urge you to follow this story. You know, the, the Dems tried this whole thing of, of connecting Trump to Russia to the whole, you know, was there a, a somehow who who hacked into the DNC and, you know, who got those emails that got they were real emails I put out that made Hillary look bad. And so because she looked bad, you know, everyone's supposed to feel bad about that. But I want to point out what has happened in this past week. So Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former head of the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, until she had to step down, when it was discovered she was pulling strings behind the scenes to make sure that Hillary beat Bernie Sanders in the primary, and people didn't like that. But Debbie Wasserman Schultz has uh, two IT aides, two people who helped her with computer stuff on Capitol Hill, now indicted for conspiracy against the U.S. We've touched on this story before, but the new development now is that now there's an indictment one is Pakistani-born Imran Awan. And just so you follow this guy and follow the news, A-W-A-N. He's Pakistani-born Imran Awan. His wife is Hina Alvi. Hina, his wife, has taken off for Pakistan. They caught her at the airport uh, with more cash than you're allowed to fly with, but she left. Uh, and so she's in Pakistan, and she's not coming back. But now this guy, Imran Awan, has been indicted and for specifically... He unlawfully, willfully, and knowingly conspired, combined, confederated, and agreed with each other to commit offenses against the United States, including bank fraud, false statements, unlawful monetary transactions. And so why this is relevant is this whole team of Imran Awan and the gang, they were employed not just by Debbie Washington Schultz in Congress, uh, they were employed by many Democrats. Their whole there's like five of them, I think. It's like three of his brothers and two of their wives, or something. Five or six people, all in this family, employed for years by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and they are accused. They were actually accused by Capitol Police after a criminal investigation of cybersecurity violations. These people had access to the computers to this, to, um, you know, emails, communications, all sorts of things kept on the computers of the Democrats in the Capitol at the time this whole alleged Russia hack was happening. But now you have these Pakistanis 
who were paid for by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who knows what they took off her computer. They were actually accused by the Capitol Police of taking taking mountains of information off their computers. They don't know who they shared it with. And now they've been indicted. And, folks, this is a story to watch because these people had access not just to Debbie, as Limbaugh calls her, blabbermouth Schultz, but literally dozens of other Republicans, Gregory Meeks of New York, Jim Costa of California, Debbie Washman Schultz, Sandy Levin of Michigan, Tim Ryan of Ohio, John Sarbanes of Maryland, Yvette Clark of New York, and David uh, Lobsack of Iowa. These people had access to all the emails. And Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz, she's getting emails when she's ahead of the DNC on her same computer. And these guys had access to all of that. And they were credibly accused of removing things from the computer. So now you have an indictment. This is a story to watch because I really think you're going to find out was our security, our cybersecurity was put at great risk by hiring these completely irresponsible, unprofessional, dangerous people. And this is who Debbie Wasserman Schultz not only hired, but even after Capitol Police said they've committed cybersecurity violations, she kept on paying them. Don't you wonder why? Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. 
Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, first of all, again, I want to say I love having people listen on Facebook Live. I appreciate the comments. Carol Miller and Dorinda Randall both posted comments during the show. I can almost read them from where I'm sitting in the studio. I might try to do that in a minute, but I want to thank you for listening on Facebook. I also want to thank the sponsor of our show, without whom it would not be possible. So I want to thank GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Couldn't do the show out without them. Thank you so very much to GC Works. Okay, in this final segment, you know, I um, when I say that I do this show because I want to speak up for the idea of America, I, I, you know, it's I guess everybody has their things they say in their show. I just feel like it is almost impossible to fully appreciate the greatness and goodness of our country, and it has nothing to do with race nothing to do with ethnicity, and everything to do with the ideas behind the founding of it. The idea is like you have rights from God simply because you were born, and the government's job is to protect those rights. You know, just the the fabulous ideas about the human, the individual, the the idea of having a country based in liberty and freedom, America is unique in the world. And so, you know, I, I try to tie issues back to that all the time. And, you know, this issue I've been harping on tonight with respect to the Charlottesville protests and the characterization of the white supremacist as, as un-American, I mean from the bottom of my heart, they have no place in American political conversation. There's no place for anyone who believes that politics are based on the, the color uh, wrapper you happen to come in, the color of your skin. It does not matter. And if you think it does, you need to get out of America. The same is true of people who are the uh, Antifa crowd, the ones who think they can, through violence, force major 
destruction on America, that they can destroy property, that they can fight. These same Antifa types, these are the ones who shut down college campus, like at Berkeley, where they wouldn't let different speakers um, come. It's that same mentality, that intolerant mentality on the American left that says, you don't get to talk unless we like what you think. You don't get to talk, and we are titled... And this is, I urge you to read that CNN interview with Antifa people. It's what they think. They're entitled because they feel morally superior and they think they're right to shut down your speech, to prevent you from speaking, to prevent others from hearing what it is you think. And this is as profoundly un-American as the supremacists, just as evil, just as undermining. And it is funded, again, by George Soros and the Ford Foundation. By the way, the Ford Foundation pledged to raise $100 million to support Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to digress on Black Lives Matter for a moment. There's a great column I mentioned last week by a professor of, I think it's sociology at Columbia, and I think his name is Professor Lilla. But the one, he was just basically lamenting that you know he's a he's a committed, diehard progressive socialist. He was thrilled with the country having the government growing bigger and bigger and taking charge. Thrilled of everything in your life. Thrilled with Hillary. Um, uh, you know, thought she was going to win. Thrilled with the uh, Obama presidency. Just thrilled that the country was turning leftist. Very upset when Reagan won really upset when Trump won, and he kept talking about the way to get the left back on track. And he talked about Black Lives Matter, and he said, you know, it was a great movement to start with when it was premised on, as he believed, I don't know if it was ever this innocent, but, you know, it was believed uh, it was believed to be, uh, have been created to try to demand a sense of fairness and whether, and to uh, require, demand investigations into police shootings and make sure that the law was being fairly applied. But he made the point, Black Lives Matter made a horrendous mistake when they decided, instead of just challenging and urging, looking into police uh, brutality or police shootings, that they blossomed into this attempt to accuse all of America of racism, to raise all of this white privilege, white supremacy, you know, uh, just anti, um, you know, breaking America apart by color, criticizing uh, and urging hate for fellow Americans that Black Lives Matter, when they started telling everybody in America, you know, you're racist, you owe us an apology, you owe us, you're wrong, your whole life's been unfair, you know, and what he really, this professor pointed out was, you may have had some sympathy with mainstream America, but once you start telling people who live their lives and, and, and they are noble, good people, start calling them racist just because you think it fits your political agenda, what you end up with is, you're not getting them on board with you on anything. And that is really what Black Lives Matter, regardless of how it got found in its, in its kind of you know, philosophical inception, it's become Antifa. It's become violent. It's, it's what led to the shooting of Dallas police officers just a little over a year ago. Right now, killing four officers and one um, uh, other, I think he was, a, I don't know if it was a, a med tech, a, another emergency worker. But the point is, Black Lives Matter has inflamed racist suspicion and hatred in this country. And they are, in this, at this point, as they operate now, they're just like Antifa. This is what Colonel Alan West was trying to say in his statement is, all these people, they have nothing to do with America. And that's why I want to say to you, America as founded, the ideas are profound, timeless, important in the world, important to defend in every generation. And so you, I, I just can't urge you strongly enough to not let people who try to characterize America as racist 
Don't let them agree. Okay, my last Lou, I do a cruise through the news here because I'm pretty much going to be out of time very quickly, and I wanted to tell you a few stories that at least warranted a little bit of attention. Uh, one was, and you probably all followed, um, the uh, violence in, uh, that broke out in Europe, but we have had again. Now we've had three different terrorist incidents in the last week, uh, one in Finland, Turku, Finland, in which uh, an 18-year-old, Here's how he's described in the media. 18-year-old Moroccan asylum seeker. Okay. Now, we all know what they mean is he's an 18-year-old Islamic jihadist. He's randomly started stabbing people to death in the streets of the western city of Turku in Finland. And um, he was seen to be seeking out women. They probably weren't covered the way he thought they should be. But, you know, this stuff is not going away just because our media has got us wrapped around the axle about Charlottesville. These kinds of things are happening around the world, and America needs to be very, very much on top of being sure that we let Donald Trump do his agenda of protecting us, one of the reasons he got elected, protecting us from refugees like the people in Europe are suffering with. Spain had, in, in, in fact, an area, we were just there. My husband and I were blessed to be able to go to Spain. I think it was in 2010 or so. And we're in this very area where a van just drove into a crowd of people, uh, a Muslim terrorist drove into a crowd of people, killed 13, injured 130, very popular, popular tourist area. My point is, you know, Trump ran on things that matter, like we need to protect America from dangerous, uh, dangerous terrorists, and we have the left trying to stop him from doing it. So we had the, the uh, Barcelona thing. We had, uh, and then we had also another one in Russia. We had the, um, in, in Russia, they had someone just randomly stabbing people. Fortunately, he was stopped before. I think no one uh, was killed there. But the point is, there's serious problems in the world. This is another reason that's just, I, I cannot more strongly enough denounce the, denounce the efforts of the American left to just destroy the um, the fabric of America, the, the goodness of America, the America that stood up and said we want to defend our culture and our society. Those are real issues. The Charlottesville thing is rotten, awful, evil. Both sides are bad. And we need to call it that and move on and not let them run the show for us, to run our media cycle, for one thing. I also want to talk about, as a cruise through the news story, this was a really good thing. So you likely recall during the... Um, Let's see, it was, it was a 2016 presidential cycle, or the, the years leading up to it, but it was when the IRS, under President Obama, decided to target conservative organizations. They wouldn't give these conservative organizations, these Tea Party and similar groups, wouldn't give them their uh, 501c4 certification, and, so, and they just jumped through the hoops and played games and lied. And so this is an example of when, when people, I, I think, why Trump won is the American people, the ones paying attention, watching what Obama's IRS did to the American people and watching the Republicans in Washington, you know, stamping their foot and sternly denouncing and really doing nothing, really nothing about it. I mean, no one went to jail. No one even got in trouble. In fact, the guy who heads up the IRS is still in charge of it, the guy who was overseeing all this. But at least this week, a judge ruled that the IRS, because their defense has always been, oh, we weren't picking on any particular groups. It was just some random rogue employees, just a series of employees. Not really. That was their excuse to say the whole agency shouldn't be responsible. It's just a few people. So uh, this judge said, actually, you know what, IRS? Time for names. 
This judge issued a ruling. It is because uh, the case is back in front of the District of Columbia Federal District Court. Judge Reggie Walton ordered the IRS to name the specific employees the agency keeps on blaming for targeting Tea Party groups for intrusive scrutiny and said the government has to prove that has ceased its targeting. This is a long time coming, folks, but it is part of the, the kind of fervor for Donald Trump that people got tired of lies. They got tired of the way the left gets away with lies. They got tired of the way the American people were treated under the Obama administration, that they were just given a slap, the back of the hand the IRS gave to groups they did not. They didn't want to have political enemies have any ability to organize and speak. So they just used the power of the government, the IRS, a weapon the IRS and the American people sat around and said, come on, Congress, come on, someone do something. And they pretty much didn't do anything. And so I, I like this. This is kind of a, this is a in, a, in a broad sense, this is a fulfilling of one of the, the um, emotions, not emotions, but just the goals of the voters of Trump. Um, the other thing that happened is a great closing to this show since we talked earlier tonight with Karen Agnes, and she uh, is a um, outspoken conservative uh, leader. This great thing happened this week is another example of finally standing up against the crazies on the left. So there was a woman, a one of the leaders of the of the women's, and as as Karen Agnes said, it wasn't the women's march; it was the left wing liberal women's march. But the left wing liberal women's march this year was headed up by a woman named Rosmia Oda O D E H, a convicted Palestinian terrorist whose masterminding of bombings actually killed people in Israel. She went to jail. She got out. She came to America. She lied on her immigration papers that she hadn't had any legal troubles. She got in, and it turns out she's a convicted terrorist. Now, if you can imagine, it was okay with a feminist, okay with a feminist to bring on this woman as an outspoken leader. Anyway, finally this week, finally a judge ordered her deported said you got to get the heck out of here this is debbie george jess america can we talk come back every week sunday nights love talking to you can we talk with debbie george addis to learn more or to contact debbie go to america can we talk.org america can we talk truth about america